Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. On today's program, we'll see the first instance of prayer in the Bible as Abraham intercedes for the righteous in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Part one of Cheryl's message titled, The Power of Intercession. So Genesis 18 and 19 glimpses the powerful work of intercessory prayer. So what is intercession? I I spoke about this a little bit in prayer. It's to stand in someone's place. To intercede is to stand in someone's place. Now the high priest would intercede for Israel. And he stood as one with the people of Israel, praying and offered sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. But he also stood before the people as a representative of God, blessing, forgiving, and ministering the word of God to the people. Jesus, as our great high priest, did the same, but in greater measure. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus took our place, stood with us to represent us on the cross before God. But he also stood before mankind as God to show us the compassion, the love, the work, the the personal quality of God. God is calling us to be intercessors. We are to stand in the stead of the lost, the compromised, the innocent, the corrupted, those close to judgment, and to seek the Lord on their behalf. In other words, we're to have conversations with God about the lost. We are not to seek the damnation of this world, but the salvation of this world. Recently, um, and I've told my friends about it, some are wondering if I'm a heretic, and others are like, okay, interesting, let me think about that. But it all started... When we did a study on Daniel, you know, so many years ago, and Daniel 9, Daniel's prayer really disturbed me. Do you want to know why? Because he prayed R. And, you know, speaking of the sins of Israel, and he associated himself with Israel. And I want to say, no, Daniel, you're righteous. It's us versus them, it's me. Versus that, those evil people over there. I always want to do that. I always want to disassociate myself. I always want to 
separate myself. But we don't see that with Jesus, do we? We don't see the separation. We see our Jesus going up to the tax collector and saying, come down from that tree. I want to have lunch at your house. We see a meeting with publicans and sinners. We see him associating, not drawing apart, but associating. And Daniel, when he's praying, he prays this prayer that associates, puts himself as one with the people of Israel. He takes culpability for the sins of Israel when he intercedes. In Ezra 9, verses 5 through 9, Ezra does the same thing. He hears that the people, the exiles having come back are intermarrying with uh, the Moabites and uh, the people of the land and they're turning to paganism. And he prays this prayer as if he was a pagan, as if he had intermarried, as if he was on the verge of turning to idolatry. Intercession puts us with the other sinners by association, by humility. We do not pray from a superior standpoint. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee and he comes in and he goes, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I thank you that I'm not like that man in the corner. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not an idolater. I'm not greedy for money. I'm so good. And then he tells us about the publican who beats his chest and just says, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus tells us that the publican went away justified, but not the Pharisee. This was put to the test uh, because, you know, I'm doing the Lord's prayer And for some strange reason, when I come to Matthew chapter six or the Lord's Prayer in Luke, I always want to personalize it in that I want to say, my father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And every time I've started to go, my father, I feel the Holy Spirit quicken me and say, read it again. Our father, our father. I believe if we would understand the term our father, we would treat each other so differently. Our Father. And I feel that. Thank you. What is the sound of one hand clapping? That's it. I feel that if our, even our songs reflect our Western individualism, we have disassociated ourselves from each other. So we sing, I... I'm desperate for you. I don't know about these others, but I... We're kind of like Peter. I don't know about these others, but I know I would die for you. But I don't know about these people. I wouldn't trust them either, God. You know, we put ourselves kind of as judge over people instead of one with the people. Intercession puts us all on level ground. So I felt God put it on my heart to pray in a certain way, and I call it incarnational prayer. I'm not saying I'm Jesus. (laughs) Incarnation means to put yourself in the shoes of someone else. So when Jesus, when we call him God incarnate, we're saying he's God 
in human sandals. He's God come down living like one of us. Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary, a Western missionary, an Englishman, who went to China, he dressed like the Chinese, lived like the Chinese, ate what the Chinese ate, and then began to minister to the Chinese as one of them. Not superior, but as one of them. There's a book called um, Patricia St. John Tells Her Story. And Patricia St. John is uh, one of my um, heroes in the faith. But she also wrote a book on her father, who was a missionary. But she talked about how her father was a banker in England. And he wanted to minister at the local chapter of Salvation Army. So he went there at lunchtime in his banker's suit, and none of the uh, men, the derelicts, would listen to him. They just ignored him. And so he got this idea. So he took his month's vacation, and he went to the thrift store, and he bought different clothes, the clothes that were more like what the men at the Salvation Army wore. And then he went, and he lived among them. He took a bed there, and for his vacation, he stayed at the Salvation Army barracks and ate their food, and he did this for three weeks. And at the end of three weeks, he opened his Bible, and he began to speak to them, and all of the men were riveted. They listened because they knew that he understood their plight. He had lived as one of them. That's incarnation. That's incarnation. Robert McQuilkin, who was also a missionary, said that the most successful missionaries are incarnate. They're the ones who live as and like the people they minister to. Now, I remember this time reading Daniel's prayer, being disturbed by it. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to pray for your enemies as if you were them. I said, what? I want you to pray as if you were your enemy. I want you to pray on their stead as if you were them. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, you can't really pray, oh, curse me, (laughs) drive me out. (laughs) Now when you're associating, you have to go like, mercy, (laughs) lots of mercy. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, And we call it the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So as I begin to pray for others as if I was them, I felt dirty and ashamed. It was was weird. I didn't want to take on those sins. I didn't want to even ask forgiveness for those sins. I, because one, I didn't want God to let those people off the hook. But when it was me, I wanted off the hook. Isn't it interesting? Like we can pray grace for ourselves, but it's hard to pray grace for others sometimes. But I, I began to pray this way. And as I felt this, this dirtiness with the association, I felt the Holy Spirit quicken my heart. This is what I felt on the cross. When I bore your sin, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Interestingly enough, 
as I started praying for a certain person, I remember I was, um, I was at the uh, Talbert Nature Center and I was praying for this person. And I prayed for quite a few people. <laughs> Obviously, I've got a lot of people I don't like. Um, I was praying for another person who's hurt me, wronged me. And as I was praying for this person, this man jumped out of the bushes on his bike and he began to circle me. And he began to go, what's your name? What are you doing? It's just like, whoa, I hit a nerve in hell. <laughs> and I begin to pray even with more fervency. Oh God, this person needs, you know, we need deliverance. We need deliverance from evil. We need deliverance from the power that is holding us. Loose us, loose us, God, from the power of the enemy. Make Satan have to break his grasp. I began to pray more fervently for him, declaring the sins and asking for forgiveness. Intercession is more than just praying for someone. It is about deep conversation with God. It is about receiving from God and giving back to God. It is about laying our feelings bare and praying man's heart before God and receiving God's heart for men in its stead. In Ezekiel 33, 11, God says that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God's will is that the wicked would turn from his way and turn to righteousness. So in Abraham, we see the great activity of intercession. And I've got seven points to intercession. Don't be afraid. I've got to get back to class. You've got to have lunch. But one, we see the preparation of intercession. Two, the perception that intercession brings. Three, the productivity of intercession. Four, the process. Five, the participation. And don't worry, we'll go over these point by point. Six, the prevailing power. And seven, the peace. So the preparation of intercession, Genesis 18, 1 through 8. Abraham is sitting at the doorway of his tent when three figures draw near in the distance. And somehow he recognizes the divine. Perhaps it's the way they walked. Or was it that he knew God so well from earlier experiences and appearances that he recognized him. As Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep know my voice. Did he hear the voice of the Lord and he knew? Was it the stirring in his heart? Like we read in Luke chapter 24, that burning heart when he saw or heard the Lord. But I love this. Abraham at 90 something went running toward the Lord. What did that look like? to see a 90-year-old man running. But he was so anxious, so excited by the divine company that he forgot his age, that he forgot his aches and pains, that he forgot his limitations, and he began to run. Now, it's interesting because Abraham had to run towards these men and bring them in. Intercession is running after Jesus and bringing him into conversation. There's preparation. 
I think of Mark 6:48. Mark says that when Jesus was walking on the water, it almost seemed like he would pass the disciples in the boat by, but they called out to him. And that's when he turned and came toward them. In Luke 24, 8, when Cleopas and the other disciple are walking with Jesus, Jesus acts like he's going to go further on, but they implore him, no, please come dine with us. There is the essentiality in preparation to invite Jesus in. You see, we can see the activity of the Lord. We can hear the word of the Lord, but there comes this special place of inviting the Lord in. In Revelation 3.16, we read, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, I will come in and sup with him, and he with me. You see, intercession is bringing Jesus in bringing Jesus into the situation, bringing Jesus into the conversation, bringing Jesus into the thoughts in our mind. You know, our thoughts in our mind can spiral so south, can't they? So quickly, unless we bring Jesus in. So part of the preparation is bringing Jesus in. But Abraham is prepared to fellowship with the Lord. Right away, he goes to Sarah, Sarah, Make some of those delicious wheat cakes. Take some of that flour. Get working. He, he grabs a calf and he takes it to his servants and he says, roast this and bring it to us. Because in the Eastern culture, food, the sharing of a meal was a time of covenant, oneness, and friendship. Abraham spreads a banquet out before the divine company. And the banquet includes bread and milk and butter and meat. So we see that Abraham is not kosher. Just saying. Or kosher in what has come to be. I believe he is the original kosher. So we have to ask ourselves, are we excited to meet with the Lord? When it comes to a time of prayer, we're like, well, I guess I've got to pray. Have you ever been with people like, well, we should pray? Well, you know, the Lord didn't work, so now I'm going to pray. Instead of running to meet the Lord, bringing our best to him, making our time of prayer a feast with the Lord. You see, intercession is not meant to be starvation, It is meant to be a feast. It is meant to be a fellowship. It is meant to be a conversation and a covenant time. Lord, we're in this together. Next, the perception that we receive through intercession. Genesis 18, 9 through 21. It is intercession where we realize that God thoroughly knows us. As we begin to pray for others, we realize that God knows our doubts, our inner thoughts, that he thoroughly sees us. We cannot hide behind tent walls and we cannot hide our thoughts from him. I love that Sarah thinks that she can hide behind the tent curtain and just listen to Jesus or God. 
I believe this is a Christology, um, an appearance of Jesus, the Messiah in the Old Testament. Because the Bible says, no man has seen the Father at any time, but the, he that is the begotten of God. So they're seeing perhaps this meeting with Jesus. And Sarah tries to hide and just eavesdrop. And God reveals his plan for Abraham and Sarah. Sarah would have a child within a year. And Sarah laughs in her heart. Wouldn't you? <laughs> the idea of having a child at my age, in my old age, I think she's laughing at the whole concept, the whole idea. Um, it's not only ridiculous, but maybe she got a mental picture of what it would look like. Uh, years ago, I, I, I was in Ensenada, and they did a Bible, let me see how I can say this, biblical woman fashion show. And so they had this woman come out in like this nude colored leotard with vines all over her, and she was Eve. She walked across the stage. Each woman took about five minutes. There, back, then around the stage, then off the stage, but she came back. And then there's Sarah. And I think they got the oldest woman in their fellowship. And I hope that was a pillow. Just saying. It, you know, it was so cute because she kept modeling her stomach. You know, like Vanna White with the, you know, the letters. She was like. Modeling. Isaac. I, I wonder if Sarah got just a mental picture. Like, what would that look like? to see a, a pregnant 90-year-old. What would that look like? And she begins to laugh. And God calls her out. Why did Sarah laugh? And you know, Abraham's like, she laughed? I didn't hear anything. And Sarah's like, I didn't laugh, thinking that that was inside, not outside. But I love this because it becomes an inside joke between God Sarah and Abraham, when God says, name him laughter. Name him Isaac, so you'll always remember the improbable, the impossible, but that God came through. Remember your thoughts about it. I love that God, he's aware of the absurdity of some of his work. He knows it. Sometimes he gives us a promise and you're like, really? Did I hear that right? And God's like, yeah, name it Isaac. It might seem absurd, but I'm going to do it. So God is reminding Abraham and Sarah of how improbable it was, reminding them of their reaction, sharing the inside story with them. It is also an intercession that God reveals his power, the perception of his power. Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? There are no impossibilities with God. Often our intercession is for the salvation of someone who is seemingly so far from the Lord. But in Matthew 19, 26, talking about the salvation of men, Jesus says, with men, this is impossible. No man can save himself. It's absolutely impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In intercession, when we're praying for the lost, we're saying, all things are possible. I think it's last week, but I can't remember who I am or where I've been. 
that I said, who would have imagined that Paul the apostle will get saved? I don't think he was on anyone's most likely to be saved list. I think he was like on the least likely to be saved list. I used to have a least likely to be saved list. You know, like these we pray with confidence. These we pray for with like, like a Hail Mary. Like just throw that football up in the air, see if anyone catches it. Just maybe one of these lost people will catch it. Through Abraham's example, we see the work of intercession. We have the same power through prayer to intercede for our lost and dying world. As we welcome God into our lives and embrace His promises, we receive revelation concerning the jeopardy of the world. Our response is to pray, calling upon God's righteous character and grace to save and deliver. God hears and works through our prayers in divine ways to bring salvation even to the hesitant and uncooperative. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look further at the power of intercession as we continue our series, Our Great Creator, in the book of Genesis with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.